Hello everyone, welcome to the Grow Your Future podcast. My name is Zah, I am your host, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Daniel. How are you? Good, thanks for having me today, guys. And we're also joined by a very special guest who's been on here before, who shares the same last name as me because she wants to be me so bad. Jade Asmi, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me back. Good to have been you back. While. Like you haven't been on for a while. What have you been doing? Nothing. No, I've actually been investing in property, which is why I really wanted to come on here today and talk to you guys and um, shake things up a little bit. And yeah, I've been getting a lot of questions on my social media and I know you have too, Dan. Yes, I have. So we just thought we'd come and combine all of our questions and just answer all of these today on this, on this platform. Before we get involved in the questions, I just want to say that Jade's been really, really busy with her own podcast, right? So she's been too busy to jump on ours and we've been fortunate that she's been able to give us her time today. So thanks for coming in, Jade. Um, just tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, so we've uh, we filmed four episodes now of wow. the, it's called the Industry Podcast. Um, I can put a link in my bio after today. Uh, it's just, it's a business podcast. It's about, um, it's, you know, we go by the saying, no matter what industry you're in, that this podcast is for you. So we talk about business, finance, relationships, real estate, everything. That's awesome. So I, I actually, I've made a, uh, an application to be a guest on the podcast, so I'm just waiting to hear back. When did you start that, Jay? Last year. It was a 2020 goal. Uh, it was one of my big rocks and I, fi I finished it. So um, yeah, we're, we've hit the ground running in 2021 with it. So. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well done. Thank well you. done. So, okay, let's jump into today's podcast. We've got uh, some questions that you guys have been yeah. asking your audience through uh, social media. Um, and we've gotten a lot of questions, right? So today we're just going to have a conversation about, you know, some of those questions. We're going to try and answer them as best as we can. Some of them might seem repetitive, so we might skip over them. But um, let's go for the one for one. We'll start with Jade. Yep. So one of the most common questions, I'm going to start with a common question that I get is, what, how did you get started in real estate investing? Um, for me... I started about 12 years ago and bought uh, my first property or on the Central Coast and uh, that's still in our portfolio today and I guess it's more behind the reason why I started property investing is because, um, you know, I don't come from wealth and as do you um, and it was just a way of, um, you know, building a future for ourselves and, you know, having that freedom for the future and, um, you know, being able to have choice for ourselves in the future. So. That, that's how I got started, just bought, yeah, well. saved $70,000, bought my first property. Um, I worked really hard. I worked three, sometimes four jobs at once, started from the bottom. Well, Jade, with, um, that's a like, really good question um, that you got given. And um, what I want to ask you based on your answer is, I know for myself, the reason I got started in was because I wanted to build a level of financial freedom and, and I guess have a backing where I can support my family and really um, have something there where if something, if I do a business and it fails, I've got that security or um, I've got something at the end of the day that could help fund my lifestyle. So I want to hear why, like what was your why as to why you got started in property? Just like off your how. Because I knew that that was going to create something for the future because what I was doing wasn't going to be an answer for the future. So I knew that that was the thing that I could learn, always had a passion for building wealth, just didn't know how to do it, but taught myself. Um, 
Zar obviously taught me everything I know in property and, and so I learnt off him for all those years but it really, the why was really because there was nothing there and I had to build something. From, I knew I had to do something because there was nothing handed to me on a silver platter. Mm. And I think there are a lot of reasons why people start property investing, right? That everyone has a different why. Maybe it's, you know, to, to help your family. Maybe it's to provide choice for your family, for, you know, for your future family. Um, everyone has a different reason, but I think, I always find if that reason's not strong enough, then people just don't invest at all. Then what was your reason, Dan? My reason, I had a, so growing up, similar to you guys, I had a few hiccups along the way and adversities that I had to overcome and my family had to overcome. So growing up, um, um, my mum was a single parent. My, I lost my father when I was growing up as a kid and then his brother died. So it was like the onus as the man in that, the, my dad's side of the family became on my shoulders. Like, not that it is, but it's just like something you, you kind of growing up, you still step, step up. Yeah. Yeah. So growing up, you know, I'd always hear from mum, look, you can't do this, we can't buy that, I'm a single parent, we can't do this. So it was like that, that constant repetition in your ear was just like, you know, fuck, I've got to go and, and change that because I'm not, there's no way I'm like suffering all this as a, as a child and then going to still have to suffer and not let my family get to experience an amazing life. So for me, that was, I guess, the property came in after it was like, I made the decision that I'm never going to have that same experience or that feeling of uncertainty, um, no direction of where I'm going. And like that question was like, what the fuck do I do with my life? So for me, when I found property as a vehicle, that as um, given based off my why, the how then I was just became obsessed with. So the how, I, people like Zah, even yourself, Jay, like it's just like we all become a team. And what I want even you guys as an audience is like, doesn't matter where you are today, we like share, like let's grow together. And so that's something I'm really passionate about. And that's my why and how. Mate, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's how good's that? That's only one question. Come on. <laughs> What's so, your uh, one, Dan? All right. Um, a common question I get all the time. So my market's like my generation, so the younger, maybe 18 to 30-year-old. And a question I get asked all the time is, should I wait till I have a 20% deposit or should I pay LMI, which is lender's mortgage insurance, which is a premium for um, borrowing um, more than 80%? So what are your guys' opinion on that? Well, it depends on the situation. For me, I think there's, it's not cookie cutter, right? I'm never going to have this hard and fast rule. Just wait until you have that bigger deposit. I think it depends what the deal is. If it's, a, if it's a really good deal and you can make money on the back end um, and, you know, the LMI just doesn't even matter. Or, you know, if it's going to mean you getting into the market now or in two years' time, just get in now. That's my opinion. Wow. What have I created? Oh, Look at her. That's just great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome because that's an aggressive strategy, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and a lot of people look at that as maybe a little bit irresponsible, I don't know, but I like LMI uh, as, a, as a cost of doing business. What do you reckon, Dan? Yeah, I 100% agree. And my background... What's, a, what's, a, what's an, an example? Just so, a, so I'll give you an example. So I used to work in lending, right? And we'd get these deals all the time where um, a client would want to buy an investment property has let's say $100,000 and the property purchase is a million. So they've only got 10% deposit. Now, because they've not got 20%, which would be 200 grand, um, the lender gets what, uh, an insurer to back um, the loan in the, in the event that the client does default. So it, so, so it covers the lender, not the borrower. Correct. So you guys out there are the borrower. Yeah, exactly. So it covers the lender. So when if the client does default, the, it's, they're backed. So, um, the beauty with LMI though is LMI is a tax deductible expense 
And what LMY enables us to do as an investor is like Jade was said, we can enter the market in today, in today without having to save one or two more years. Um, plus what actually happens is your cash on cash return, because I've only invested a hundred grand, not 200 grand, I can actually make a bigger return with my own money. So um, Zah talks about it all the time in, in the Money Club podcast about really leveraging other people's money. So in lending, we um, it is a, it's a common tool to embrace LMI because it's um, tax deductible. We can grow a portfolio quicker and faster. So what I, how I like to look at it, Dan, is return on um, return on equity, not return on asset. Mm. As return on asset means return on the whole amount. But really, you're wanting the return on the little bit that you put in. That's how you should measure it, right? Because if you put too much in, people think, oh, I'll, put, I'll just put in a bigger, bigger, bigger deposit. But really, like, your return on equity starts to decrease. So focus on the return on the money that you actually put in rather than the return on the whole asset itself. Yeah. Who are you up to? Next question. Uh, would you, why, why do you recommend rent vesting you famously, famously say that you do this and why. So I talk about this on my social media all the time, rent vest, rent vest. And I know the previous podcast you did with the Money Club, you talked about rent vesting. And um, there's a reason why we do it. Do you want to explain? Yeah, well, it allows us to be, you know, um, free and agile to sort of go to different property to different property. Um, we're not held down by a mortgage. Um, servicing is always strong because banks favor it. And we also get to live where we want to live. That's probably the main thing, right? And that's the value we get from it. A lot of people say rent money is dead money, but it, it, to, to us, it's like, well, we're actually getting a lot of value from it. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't buy the apartment that we live in at the moment because, you know, it'd be- Too many parties, too many noise complaints. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they wouldn't let me, right? But it's um, it's oversupplied, and it's probably not you know a great investment if we're just looking at numbers. So for us, you know, renting is an investment to us because we actually get a return on it. So I think it's finding that balance and making sure that you know it fits in with your lifestyle because everybody's different, but it works for us. I think it's, especially if you're wanting to move ahead and build out a property property portfolio, it's really important that you remain as agile as possible. Um, that you can uh, you can take um, you can take out loans from the bank um, a lot easier. I think rent vesting provides more opportunity in the market rather than being tied up with um, a mortgage where you know living in a property that you are actually paying the mortgage on, which sort of becomes a liability, doesn't it? So think of it as like you know our exposure to real estate is around ten million dollars, um, but that's spread across three different states, right? And for us, let's say we bought a ten million dollar home, which we wouldn't be able to, but let's just say we did, we'd be exposed to just that one market um, and that one type of asset. And you know it's sort of like when when it goes down, then you know all your eggs are in the one basket. So for us, it works out to be a lot um, more efficient to be you know diversified get that income on that $10 million so that we can keep moving forward. Imagine the landscaping on a $10 million property. Oh, no, the maintenance will be a nightmare. <laughs> you have to get a ride on Lawnmower or pump the gym. I wouldn't be here today, guys. I'd be yeah. at home cleaning yeah. the house. Yeah, we'd just be maintaining the, yeah. the, the, the big thing. Okay, right. so Dan. Um, one of my questions is, should I buy or build, buy established or build my own? Um, so my two cents on that, it, it really depends on your situation, what you want to achieve. Um, but I think for the average person who's just starting in um, as an investor rather than like a full-on property entrepreneur developer, 
I think um, getting building your own or buying something brand new gives you a lot of tax benefits and also low maintenance costs and headaches. Because I know with my property, which is established, um, it does have a lot of maintenance and ongoing costs. But for me, I'm wanting to be a developer and, and go aggressive. So well, this is your full-time yeah, thing, yeah, right, yeah, Dan? Exactly. So for you, like if you bought an established property, it's not so bad because you love doing the renos, yeah. you love doing the redevelopments, you love getting your hands dirty, right? But there's people out there that, you know, their full-time thing is not property. Yeah. Their full-time thing might be being a mechanic or being a teacher or whatever it is. Mm. And they need uh, just basically a very easy way to build wealth through property. So, you know, the brand new route might suit mm. them because they need the tax breaks. They don't want to get their hands dirty. Um, they don't want to do a renovation. And I mean, I I've done renovations before and, you know, you can make a lot of money from it. It's a great strategy, but um, it is very laborious and time consuming. And um, I think, you know, the brand new route definitely suits the majority of Australians. Yeah. And I guess better quality tenants as well. Good point. Good point. You know, tenants will, will pay higher rents mm. for, for newer properties. I know I would, right? I would pay more rent for a higher property, so better yields. Um, there's just so many, you know, good benefits of being a passive investor in brand new real mm. estate. It's a really good point as well. Like you can then focus on your day-to-day -day job and you can focus about going on a holiday and not having to worry about the headaches. Like if you're on a holiday and you get a phone call when you're laying on a beach in Bali, that your water is broken and you're up for a two, $3,000 bill. Your water's broken. Wow, having a baby. <laughs> Who are we up to? JD, I think. Uh, so one of, another common question I get is, from people that are wanting to renovate an existing investment property, uh, obviously with equity that they have, or use that equity to buy another property. For me, I would always say, my questions back to them is always, how much more equity can you manufacture or how much more growth can you manufacture in that property that you've got? Um, what, you know, what market is it in? De just depends what the property is. But I'm always gonna say leverage into another one. Build out your portfolio, I think, if you're just renovating that one property, you're not growing. You've just got one property. Jay just made a good point, right? Like if, if, if your property is in a market that's not really going anywhere and you're, this is your existing one that you're thinking about renovating, then what you put into it, you may not be able to get out in equity anyway. I like the idea of buying you know, established properties that need renovations but not doing them straight away. So let, let it simmer in the market and grow a little bit more, wait for that upswing, and then once that upswing occurs, then get in there, maybe five, six years later, get your hands dirty, do paint, carpet, all of that you know, kitchen, bathroom, depending on what, what it needs, and then what happens there is that upswing along with your renovation has formed that new equity, that usable equity that you can go and refinance and, and use again, right? So what Jade is saying I think is, is, is great because a lot of people can get caught up in that, but what they should do is do the bare minimum, right? And then concentrate on accumulating assets. What do you think? Oh, I totally agree. And I think from a, a lending perspective, um, with um, there's a difference between a market value of a property and a bank's value as value of a property. Oh yeah, tell us the difference. Yeah, so um, if you go to a real estate agent, they will say we can sell your property for let's say 1.5 million. And usually they're full of shit, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're a bank. Nothing against real estate agents, we love them, but you know a lot of them are full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get your business, like yeah, they got to. Yeah, they got to. Um, yeah. So and what's a bank valve? So a bank valve, they they're designed to 
put the, I guess, the lower end value of the property in for the bank's protection. And so what they do, sometimes the values might not even actually enter the property. So sometimes they're actually doing, they go into the street of the property, do an RP data search, check how many bedrooms it is, how many bathrooms, etc., and see what other comparable sales were around the area. So sometimes you've done all this renovation on a property and the valuer doesn't actually include it Look, we, we bag out real estate agents, but also valuers, they're fucking idiots as well, right? They're the most negative people in the world. And what they need to do is walk through the property and actually look at the hard work that you've put in rather than doing a nerdy desktop valve from the curbside because they could not be bothered going into the property. Do your fucking job. You're getting paid, right? Man, they are, they, are, they are trained to be super conservative and they have given me the biggest headaches ever since I started investing. And you know what? Like they're so rude when they call you to get access to, 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 the, prop, to the property. They're, they're just idiots. You know what I mean? Negative so Nancy. They're very, very negative. So what Dan is saying for our listeners is that the bank vows are usually one extreme as in low. And then the real estate agent is another extreme and they're high and they're actually full of shit. So what you tend to do is get the real estate agent's vow, uh, market appraisal and get the bank vow and just go in between. And that's pretty much the true value. Right? Yeah, definitely. So you just went off that, like if you were, if you did the renovations and you wanted to draw that equity out without selling the property, um, don't be like, don't be surprised if you go to pull out the equity and they say, well, no, there's no equity because it's valued not much more. A tip on that, a tip on that, right? Like when you know you've got a valuation, a valuer coming to the property, Print out all documentation on comparable sales in the area. Put a spreadsheet of, of, of exactly what it is that you've spent. Fluff up the numbers a bit if you have to, right? Like really inflate it and then show them and entertain them when they come to the house. Give them milk, cookies, whatever, right? <laughs> Make them feel special. Tell them all about the work that you've been doing, that you've been slaving away on the property and point out you know, fixtures and fittings that you've mm. imported from Sweden and all of that sort of stuff, right? Make a big deal out of it. And then maybe you might get a really good valuation that you can use that equity and put it into your next mm. deal. Yeah, just a, right. just a quick tip. Yeah. Who's, who's next? Sure. I'll go. Yeah, you go. Uh, so you talk about having a strategy a lot. What example can you give on a good real estate strategy? What is it? So I talk for me personally, I always talk about having a strategy when you're investing in real estate. Don't just go out there with your eyes closed and try and buy a property. What are you buying? So, and, and that comes down to location, price, like how much do you, how do you know how much you can borrow? Uh, how much money do you have in the bank? Who are you borrow, who are you investing with? Because um, everybody's different, right, Jay? Yeah, exactly. And a lot of, uh, especially women out there, I've been oh, looking women. on realestate.com and I just don't know what I'm looking at. And for me, I think that's the worst place that you could start when you're investing in real estate. You know, um, a strategy, how much education have you had? You know, where are you getting your education from? What sources? So there are so many things that you need to ask yourself before you start even thinking about an investment strategy. I think the biggest um, mistake is that people just go on realestate.com yeah. and um, start looking at property before they even know their numbers, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's, I, I know I used to do that. So it's not, you're not just, it's not just women who do that. It's like, it's, I think everybody goes through that stage where you think it's the property first and the investment last, where it should be investment property. So the investment first, right? So the numbers first, and then you go to the property, which is basically just the vehicle, right, Dan? Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. 
Um, and I think often, like, especially my age group, they are very, like, following the, the next big trend, like Airbnb or this strategy, yeah. the reno, the flip, the this or that. So, um, yeah, I totally agree with you guys. So I think coming back to a strategy, it's very important. Assess what you want to achieve, and then we'll map out a strategy from what you want to achieve. Well, it's really just about numbers, guys. You know, it's about, okay, what is your capacity in terms of your incomes? How much capital do we have to use initially? Um, you know, what are our goals and objectives? What's our current financial position? Do we have kids? Do we not? Are we going to get married? Do we, are we going to have these holidays in the next 10 years? Um, you know, what age are we? Where are we at in our careers? There are so many variables, right? And we've really got to just assess that and go, okay, well, what's realistic, a, a realistic outcome? You know, we always spruik the 10-year acquisition strategy, $10 million target, but you know, realistically, not everyone's going to get to that. So we've got to go, okay, let's strip it all back, reverse engineer it. What is it that we've got to do? What's your strategy as an individual or as a couple or as a family? Let's go and stick to the plan, right? And go through the process. And everyone's different just on that. With strategy, not everyone's going to have the same strategy. I have a completely different, I had a completely different strategy than someone else would have had. You know, we have... Um, We've, we've had high risk and low risk roles in our marriage for a very long time and they've been flipped at times. You know, if you're an entrepreneur and someone else is in a job, you can do different things with, um, you know, investing that way. Just depends on, you know, your mix as well. I hear a lot of people say, you know, I want to invest in the place that I grew up down the road because, you know, I just, I really know that area. Mm. So my answer to you guys is, Go out and get educated because that's a really, really bad strategy. Unless you live in a good market or you, you grew up in a good yeah, market. It could be a good then, strategy. Yeah. It could be a good strategy if you get lucky, yeah. right? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you might, you might, you might um, hit the jackpot. But, yeah. you know, generally speaking, it's not a good strategy. Um, you know, it is, it is important to not just focus on markets or the mm. property. It's focus on the numbers, right? Mm. What can you do? What's, what, what are your outcomes? Like you said, Jade, don't just buy any property, right? We've seen people do that before and they just get roadblocked, yeah. right? You want to keep going and keep mm. building the portfolio out. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So I'll go with one of mine. This one's actually one, one I get quite often, which is a bit of a technical one. So bear with us. It is, um, if I'm investing, should I get an interest only loan or a principal and interest loan? Now, just quickly, being in lending and finance, I can tell you now that principal and interest is the worst thing you can do as an investor. Um, I won't, I can, if you want later down the track, we can do a, a really detailed video and I can show you that. It's, it's like a 30-year trap and with interest only, you have the ability to actually pay home loans off in about like an 11-year period if you structure it correctly with offset accounts and, and things like that. Um, so I definitely would say interest only, stay away from principal and interest as much as you can. And what are, what are the, oh sorry, Jade, what are the other benefits, Dan, of, of okay, interest Okay, so interest, only? the interest portion of a loan is tax deductible, first of all. Secondly, it, although the interest on paper looks like it's higher, like say it's 5.5% where principal and interest is like 5%. Well, the thing that happens with principal and interest is the banks are sneaky. They do something called interest forward loading, where they actually put all the interest at the beginning of the loan. So for the first 10 years of your loan, you're basically paying off like zero principal. So, but the, the, the benefit with interest only is that if I've paid my minimum interest repayment, any additional repayments I make to that loan reduces the principal. So I could, in like say five years, um, could have paid off a, a large chunk of that principal. So interest then gets charged at say, in, say I borrowed initially 500 grand. 
So initially I had 500 grand, but in say five years time, I've put 50 or 80 grand in, in my offset account or I've eaten away at the principal. Interest then gets charged at the, the new um, amount. So like 450,000 or 430,000, where principal and interest, they've still am they've amortized your loan as the, the same repayment each week, each month. So it's the biggest, it's the biggest, like the banks don't tell you this and it's the biggest scam. Um, so just, yeah. And okay. this is this is why you need to have good people yeah. in your corner, right? Yeah. People that can educate you. This is part of your strategy that mm. I was just talking about before. If you just go out there, find a property on realestate.com, find a bank, you know, a lender that can lend you that money, go with principal and interest, like how is, it's a bad strategy. Well, like Dan was saying, they lure you in with the, with the cheaper yeah, interest exactly. rates, right? Because everyone just focuses on rate, 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 rate. But what they don't understand is that your repayments, for example, will be on P&I, like principal and interest, might be two grand a month. But on, on interest only with a higher rate, might be only a thousand a month. So with an extra $1,000 in your pocket per month, what can you do with that? That can go towards an extra deposit exactly. for another property. Exactly. Right? So basically what we're trying to say, is if you really strip it all back, it's having more control over your money. More control over your money means you can do more things. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What are we up to? Next question. Why the urgency to get into real estate investing right now? For me, I think... Right, there's never been a better time to buy real estate. And you could always say that, right? You could always put that term out there because now is the best time, no matter what time. But right now, the interest rates are so low, money's so cheap, why wouldn't you? Um, it's relatively easy to get lending now. And- Well, it's the cheapest it's ever been. That's right. So just for an example, when you guys started investing, what was the interest rate to you? 9%. Wow, that's crazy. So just like for you guys out there, today you can get loans at what? One, one, like high ones, low 2%. And they, they say they're going to go down more. It's crazy. So and you guys were paying 9% plus. Well, let's say then the realist, let's say interest rates were 9% right now and you were 22 years old, 25 years old. It would still be a good time for you to get in the market. Why? Because the earlier you get into the market, the more you can grow out your portfolio. For us, like we started 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And I'm so glad that we started 13 years ago I don't even care what interest rate we were paying. We're still in the market and now we've been in the market for so long. We've seen so many, you know, markets, so many cycles. So right Thank now, God, you'll blink. Yeah. You'll blink and another 10 years will go. You know, when Jade says 12, 13 years ago, it went like that. It went so fast. And you know, a lot of people as well, they, you know, they talk about, you know, I'm going to get into the market next year. I'm going to see what the market does this year. I'm going to see what the interest rates do, what the banks do with lending. Like, what are you going to, what are you going to see next year? There's going to be another excuse. So just get it. Now's the right time to get in the market. I'm waiting for it to crash. Yeah. There's always an excuse, right? And we always, there's always those people out there that try and time the market. Yeah. But we always say it's time in the market. That's right. Right? So if you can afford to buy, just buy. That's what we do. Every time we've got this surplus of cash and the banks go, yep, Zah, when do you want another loan? Yeah, no worries, we'll buy something, yeah. right? So always be buying when you can. And if you can, and if you know your stuff, if you're educated in the market, you can outperform any interest rate. So it doesn't really matter. Like there's always a deal out there to be made, right? That's I think a great point. While people aren't investing in real estate, they're sitting on realestate.com waiting for the market to change or waiting for the interest rates to go down, whatever they're waiting for, I'm buying those properties mm. and they're not. 
So. And I've got a really good point to add on to that, right? Is that back in 2017 or 18, I bought at the peak of the market in Newcastle, cracker property, and everybody said, ah, you've bought at the peak, you, you know, you, you fucked up, you, why did you buy it? And it, and then in 2018, 2019, we had that big correction, right, where there was a big pullback. And like, I was like really hating myself. I was like, oh, I've bought at the top of the market. Now, in 2021, that property is worth so much more. It's literally worth a couple of hundred grand more than I bought it for back at the peak of the market when everyone said I was an idiot. Right, and I'm the last one laughing now because I actually got into the market when everyone was scared. Right, so that's a really good example of just get in when you can. Like, don't don't delay it anymore. Hundred percent, and also like as well, you got to remember like if you wait to when everyone starts to enter the market, then right. good luck getting stock. Good luck getting a cracker deal. It's hard enough as it is yeah, now. Good you luck know? getting a good floor plan. Good luck negotiating on price. Like, but isn't like when you talk about when we talk about getting into the market at the right time. You're not, it's not like you're going to go and sell that property straight away. We're not buying to flip. And one of my questions coming up is about flipping or buy to hold. You, unless you're buying to flip, then just buy it. it. The market will do the work later on. Whether it's you know, in six months or six years, buy the property, leave it in your portfolio and keep growing. Because it's a buy and hold strategy, right? That's what we always say. We don't like flipping or trading property. Yeah. We want to buy and hold because the wealth is 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 in the holding of the assets. You've had a good experience with doing both, haven't you, Zara? Like, um, like I remember you were telling me if, like a couple of times, like you've done these developments and you're just like, by the time it's complete, like finished and you've like taken up your after tax dollars, it's like fuck, I should have just bought an asset. You should have just done a house and land, you know? Like, I, I look at it, like, all the time. I look at the numbers, and it was great experience. I guess that was the return on the investment, the experience. But when you look at the numbers and you really strip it all back, you know, you kind of look at it and go, well, I don't have those assets anymore. Mm. They're not producing an income from me anymore. They're not giving me tax breaks. Like, I don't have them in my portfolio. And what have I done with the cash? Like, you know, like I've just bought more property anyway. So yeah. the buy and hold strategy where, you know, you, you buy low or you, you just buy anything, uh, you rehab it or you develop it or whatever it is and you hold on to it, get the tax breaks and then, you know, refinance and keep moving on. It's the ultimate strategy. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. It's boring, but it's a great plan. But flipping is sexy. There's a lot, there are a lot of flipping shows out there, flip or flop. Like I love what, like I love flicking through them every now and then. They're fun to watch, they're entertaining, but it's not, it's not the best strategy. I mean, I, I certainly, I wouldn't go out there and do that. You would literally have to make that your full-time job. Well, you know, in, in, in a world of now with, with money being worthless, right? That's all you're going to end up with. You're going to end up with money. You want to end up with hard assets that are going to generate you income so that you can, you know, retire off that income later on That's down so the track, yeah. right? Because you're only going to want to buy more assets with yeah. that money. Yeah, let's, yeah, exactly right. Like, let's say you made 500 grand on development. What are you going to do with that 500 grand? Buy more property, yeah. right? So you might as well just hang on yeah. to the property, yeah. let it grow. And I think people are just too impatient. They want that fast cash now. And all it does is f feeds the ATO, right? It feeds uh, these real estate agents who we don't even like, right? Ego. It, it, and it feeds your ego, yeah. right? So it makes, you, it makes you feel good for two fucking minutes. And then you're like, oh, well, I've got to go do something with this money again. Mm. So buy and hold is king. Awesome. Um, is it Jade's turn or my turn? Your turn. Okay, sweet. 
Oh, let's go. What should a rookie do to get into the market if they have about 15 to 20 grand? This one I reckon will be a cracker um, question for you, Jade. Okay, if they have 15 or 20 grand, I'm gonna say save a bit more money. I'm gonna be a bit controversial and yeah. say, go and work a bit more, save a bit more money. Um, educate yourself, depends if they're educated or not. Get some really good mentoring mm. and study the markets. And I know, just for like the listeners out there, Jade's like one of the queens of social media. So like, do you reckon they should be spending any of their money building a brand or like, how do you think they should invest that 15, 20,000? Education. Yeah, 100%. no, like education over depends brand? Depends what or? the brand they're, what, what brand they're building. If they're, it depends what, it depends what industry they're working in. Mm. If they're in real estate, 100% build your brand. Social media is king when it comes to that. I think if you're, but, but also on the flip side, you can get some great education off social media now. There are some great influencers out there in the real estate space, in the investing space, Zah, yourself, experts in the field that are literally pushing out free content every single day. This is the perfect place now for, for education. So hold your 15 to 20 grand and either get some educational mentoring or save a bit more and get a better asset in the future. Mm, great point. What about you though? Do you have anything? You'd add on that? Um, you can buy yourself a nice watch. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 15, 20, what is it? 15, 25 grand? Yeah, about that, yeah. It's not much money. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually nothing. You're broke, right? Mm. So you need, to, you need to go and save more money. You've got to f figure out a way to make more money, mm. right? Because 15, 25 grand, say you save another five, 10 grand, 35 grand, you're still broke, right? Like you, you, you can't do anything with that. And money doesn't buy anything in, anymore so you need to get creative so if you can't make any more money you can't save any more money you need to figure out how can you joint venture with it's people that have great, money great. there's a lot of money out in that marketplace now right whether it be banks uh, private lenders mm. there's other people that need money to find a home because what's money paying in the bank right now guys fuck all nothing right so there's a plenty of money in the marketplace don't let that 15, 20 grand or whatever it is that you have limit you. F figure out a way. Educate yourself. Go and network with people that have money. Offer them value so that they give you their money. Start learning how to raise funds, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to do as a property investor. You're just trying to raise capital because the more capital you can raise, the more assets that you can buy. So the 15, 25 grand, Spend that on relationships, right? Spend it on your network with other people that have money that you can joint venture with, mm. right? And buy property with. That'd be, that'd be my advice. Because if you say, let's say your savings rate is like 500 bucks a week, right? That's 25 grand a year, right? So if you've got 25 grand in the bank now, and in 12 months time, you're gonna have another 25 grand because you've worked really hard at, at your job and you know, you've been frugal and all of that sort of thing. You're only going to have 50 grand in 12 months. Like even that's not that much money. And I know that's hard for people to hear, but it's reality and we must face reality, right? Your opinion about it doesn't matter. It just means that you have no money. So go out into the marketplace, offer more value, figure out who's got your money, right? And then go and get that money, park it into real estate. Love it. Yeah, I love that. That was so good. And I think, um, as well, if you are just getting out of uni and you've landed, let's say, a six-figure job or 
you know, a decent income job, but you've not got cash at bank, like you were saying, partnering with someone who's got cash, but no serviceability, you could be the one that has the serviceability and partner with someone who's got a hundred grand, 200 grand in a bank. That's, you know, they've either- Or you might have the skills. Yeah. If you go and learn the skills on how to do a property deal, but you don't have any money, no serviceability, nothing, but you've got the know-how, mm. man, there's not, a, there's not many of those people around. There's more money in the marketplace than people with the skills to put a deal together. So become creative, get educated, figure it out, right? There are people out there that will teach you this stuff, like us. That was great, I love that, that was good. Thank you so much. That was really good. Yeah. Question from me, uh, this, was, um, this was from a female, uh, one of my female followers, and I get this a lot too, mostly get this from females. Why is it so important for us to understand our money? So this comes from someone that's married, has got kids, doesn't work, uh, wants to invest in property. So she doesn't control the money in the family, her husband does, but she really wants to learn about property and she really wants to start investing in property. So my advice here would be um, get educated, like, you know, as usual. I think if you're educated, then um, you, it do, you don't necessarily have to control the money in your family. I, I would never say take control and, you know, be the boss and be the alpha in the relationship or in the family. I think it is, you need to be intuitive and you need to ask questions and start getting educated together. But I think for females, it's really important to um, have some of that financial knowledge so that if anything happens to your family unit, you can go and you can go and take over or you can go and you know what to do. The worst thing for for a woman to do is not know not know anything about money, not know how to handle money, not know how to multiply it, not not know how to um, be a caretaker of the the family money. That's the worst thing that you can do. And it comes from ignorance, you know. My partner and my husband can take care of me. Um, everything's fine. Um, but unlike this person who is wanting to, she wants to. She, she's actually she's got the intention of wanting yeah. to invest in property, right? So she's not being ignorant to it, which is what you're saying. There's a lot of women there out are. there that are ignorant. But this particular uh, female who's asked you this question wants to take a stand and, and she's got the intention to invest, right? And I guess one of, the, one of the first steps you can do is call me and I can talk to your partner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'll put it on him and just say, look, what are you doing, man? Like, you, you, your wife wants to better your family. Yeah. Like, fucking step up to the plate yeah. right now if, he, if he's not up to scratch then what i would say is okay well you get educated yeah. and if he's got money right because he might might have a the partner can obviously if the partner controls uh the money and the finances he's probably the breadwinner of the family we get that but he may not know property so this is your opportunity like jade said to get educated then you can bring a deal to him right and then all of a sudden it's like a business proposal then if you, if, you, if you get good at selling that, that deal and putting that deal together and he's the main breadwinner, he's going to say, yeah, let's do it, babe. You know what I mean? Like, why, why wouldn't they? Yeah, definitely. So it's, it, it's, it's one of those things where, okay, yes, saying you want to invest in property, but there's another thing. It's getting educated mm. and then actually being proactive about it and figuring out, okay, how do I do it? Mm. How did you and Jade well, as a couple, like, get on the same page about investing. I think for, well, I guess it starts, you have the same values. You grow up with, you, you, you combine, you have the same values. I think for us- Was um, it always like that though? Yeah, we, we both driven people and we're both very ambitious and we both want 
a lot more for out of life and for our future family. We want to both. We both want to have choice. And I think you, if your why is why is aligned, mm. then uh, it it becomes a lot easier. It becomes a lot easier. But I think um, what is for me, I I don't control. I'm not the alpha in the family. Obviously, everyone knows that. But what is important to me is that I understand the numbers. I understand deals. I know how our deals are put together. I know our real estate portfolio. I know how it's performing. I know what's not performing. Um, you, well, you bring me deals now. I brings our deals now. She brings me deals now. So that's, that's where we can work as a team, right? But where these people that are asking these questions, I think what they need to do is they, they really need to, like Jade said, know their numbers know how to put a deal together, mm. bring it to the table. And if it's not your husband, if it's not your partner, go somewhere else, mm. right? Go to the bank, like be proactive about it. Don't, don't be a victim and go, oh, I can't, I, can't, I can't do it because I don't have any money. No, you can do it. Everybody can do it. I started with absolutely nothing. We all started with nothing, right? And sometimes I still put no money, uh, no money down deals together till this day because it just feels good that I can use other people's money, right? So get out there, there's plenty of money trying to find a home. Um, you just need to get educated. I think that's the bottom line with that, yeah. get educated. Find a czar that can help you invest. Yeah, and I'll talk to your husband. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, we'll go another one. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty, I've got one here. What's better to invest in residential or commercial properties? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say from experience, I can't really speak about commercial. We've, we've, I've had a little bit of experience with commercial, but most of our portfolio is residential, right? So what are, you, what are your thoughts? Look, I like both. I think they're both really, really good. Obviously, we are very pro-residential, and I, I guess one of the main reasons I love residential is that banks love it. Like right now, we, we, just quite, we just recently tried to do a commercial deal, and we went to the bank and we said, look, how much can you can you do this, do this, you know, lend us money on this commercial asset, right? Mm. And it was a two and a half million dollar asset. And they said, oh, we can do a 50% LVR. And I was like, what? Yeah. $1.25 million yeah. down? Like, that's, that's crazy. I don't have that. I can't do that. It ties up a lot. Um, but if I was to buy, say, you know, uh, say, call it a, a $1 million asset, I'd only need to put 100 grand down and the banks would be happy. Yeah. So I think, you know, exhausting the residential route first is, is probably your best way because you can leverage so much more. And when you have that capital, right, then start exploring commercial. But then again, with commercial, Dan, you know a lot about commercial, yeah. right? Like, you can lose as well. Even though you can make a lot of money, it is high risk. You can lose quite a bit yeah. as well. So I agree. I think residential's... I think in, when it comes to the reality of it, I think, look, both are really good. It's just the strategy you want to take. And you, at the end of the day, you can actually do re commercial style transactions on residential property. So if, if like you can do, you can make both work well. Um, but like Cesar was saying, you are limited to your access to like leveraging on commercial properties. So for the average person who doesn't have initial starting, like a high initial starting point, who needs to go and leverage maximum amount, residential is the vehicle that you can go about doing that. I think people overcomplicate over it, right? They start thinking about all these complex like strategies and complex types of deals and it sounds sexy because it's different and no one knows what you're talking about and it's like everyone's really impressed by all this shit that's coming out of your mouth. But really what you should do is just, uh, you know, like just your, your normal, simple bread and butter 
house and land, apartments, townhouses in really good located areas. Buy the best asset that you can for the money and the capacity that you have. Season. And just, yeah. yeah, and just let it grow. Mm. Let it grow and then once it grows, tap into that equity, go again and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat and keep it simple. Make sure you're sticking to the fundament, five fundamentals that we always talk about. And then, only then, after you've graduated with, you know, a decent residential portfolio, then, yeah, go for it with commercial. The sky's the limit with property investing, right? Mm. As long as you stick to your strategy, you buy right, you stick to the fundamentals, uh, your, your portfolio is only going to grow. So commercial then becomes more within reach and you can take those bigger risks down the track. Mm. So you can absorb the losses if, if you do have those losses, That's right? Yeah, exactly. All right, so we wrap that up here. We've got plenty of other questions, yeah. but we've sort of gone over time today. Um, I've really enjoyed this one. Thanks for coming on board for today's podcast, Jade. It was excellent having you in. And Daniel, thank you as always for uh, providing those really good questions. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in another couple of weeks. Peace out. See you guys. <laughs>